Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Ryan, my friend, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Jeremy. How are you? Uh, I'm hanging in there. It's been a uh, it's been a busy past week. Yes. <laughs> uh, past two weeks, I guess. Sure. Um, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, when we're recording, uh, I'm in the middle of a three-show run with my band. Oh, fun. And it is really uh, showing my age to myself. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a spring chicken, or at least not feeling as spry as you once were. It just takes it out of you. Um, it's just a lot of, I don't know, uh, lifting, uh, moving stuff around, and then you got to play, and then you got to do it all over again. And, uh, you know, the playing is also, it takes it out of you. I mean, I've said before that, you know, playing improvisational music is a lot like, it feels a lot like channeling in a lot of ways. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, that's the other thing that's been going on is uh, not this past week, but the week before uh, we had our second intensive mm-hmm. with the other selves working group uh, channeling circle. And uh, yeah, that was also very exhausting. We also, I tested positive for COVID while it was going on. Mm. So we had a big disruption, but we were able to deliver 10 sessions that are dropping presently as we, uh, as we work through them. So if you go to Hark, that's H-A-R-C as in cat, dot otherselvesworking.group, you can see these new transcripts. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think of them. Um, we're still kind of digesting and seeing what's up, but there's some really good stuff in there that I'm proud of. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a especially interesting one on the relationship between the introduction of the spirit complex in third density graduation, right? When you go from second density to third density, uh, that is the point where you attain a spirit complex instead of just being a mind-body complex. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to ask Kuo about what the relationship is between the spirit complex and self-consciousness, with self-consciousness being kind of like the thing that third density is is known for. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of stuff like we did this really, really, really crazy uh, deep session on the nature of biases themselves, which was probably too abstract. <laughs> and I remember after that session, we just had to like <laughs> really deep have press. a drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just so like, it was as deep as I can go. It was as uh, complicated as I can channel uh, uh, at my, at this point right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, Jade, uh, our our one female member, only was able to participate for three of the sessions because she has a kid, and like once I tested positive, it was like, Eek. but luckily I didn't infect anybody else, to my knowledge. Yeah, and uh, I didn't get stuck in Colorado. So nice, <laughs> nice. Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to reading. Looking forward to reading what uh, what you guys produced over there. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I'm still digest. We're still digesting it all and trying to figure out what it is that we came up with. But. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with how things turned out considering, and we already have the the lodging and flights for the third intensive booked in October. Nice. So I'm hoping that uh, one of these days, too, uh, there in the working group, we have uh, a couple of gentlemen who are interested in learning how to channel. And so that's a really long process, but we're starting to work with them. And I'm hoping that at some point we'll be able to have, you know, an intensive like I'm normally used to which is for new people to learn and be sort of brought into the fold you know yeah yeah that'd be great yeah that'd be great very cool well not much is new over here i too got (laughs) covid um (laughs) after coming back from a hawaii um hawaii wedding um but 
Well, luckily I too did not give it to my family. So they all got colds, but no one got COVID except for me. So luckily too, it was not that bad. So I uh, fared way better than my father did when he got COVID uh, the first time last, I think it was last year now. Boy, I remember you, you know. mentioning that one episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he was in bad shape, but uh, yeah, mine was way better. So. Uh, oh. So. Well, I'm glad everybody's okay. Yeah. So that's all you can ask for. Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, uh, we kind of had a little bit of a scramble to figure out uh, what it is that we might uh, talk about today, and. Um, there was something in the back burner that I had ready to go. Uh, a pretty important session for me in the LL Research Channeling Library. Uh, the date is December 31st, 1989. And this is a quo uh, from pretty far back where they discuss uh, the nature of the higher self and the magical personality, which they kind of use interchangeably. And I think the session will go into, you know, the, the reasons for that. Um, and it's also, this topic is also interest, interesting to me because one of the sessions that we just published on the high altitude uh, receiving center is, um, deals with, okay, asking Kuo, why do you have to have three people? What's the, what, was, what are the spiritual principles around the rule of three? And what is the relationship between channeling an outer density uh, entity and, ch- and just channeling your higher self, right? Like to what's, to what extent are we doing one when we think we're doing the other, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I, the way that tuning works is like the only real reference you have are your own internal resources. At some point, uh, confederation entities can interface with that, but you know, we're, we don't understand how that works. It's completely unclear. So, so in that session, they, they go into some of the dynamics and it's still something that I'm processing. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's me, Jade and two philosophy professors who have a lot of resources for Quo to draw upon. So sometimes it takes a little bit for me to understand all the things that are going on there. It's very dense. Um, but I think, for me, it would be good to start with this 89 session and just get some, like, basics on these concepts. Okay. Uh, do a little refresher, and then hopefully that will prepare me and maybe the listener for diving into these uh, more cerebral sessions of yeah. Kuo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. I wonder. I don't believe Carla was a philosophy professor. What <laughs> You know. It, Librarian by training. I know. And it's like. And, you know, the same with Jim, the same with mm-hmm. L and C, or at least the people that I'm reading right now through the, in the Living Love and Light podcast, it's all very at my level. You know, when I'm reading the transcripts, it's all at my level. I cannot imagine what it would be like. Um, well, generally with somebody who has the vocabulary and has the depth and uh, that, uh, you know, that your friends do at the, in the other sales working group, you know? Yeah. Well, well, Carla did channel quite a bit with Steve, uh, who is the retired philosophy Mm. professor. Okay. Um, and then Joseph, one of our other members is working on, he's writing his dissertation in philosophy Mm -hmm. right now. And in fact, uh, listeners may remember that we had an episode, uh, that was titled resonance and discernment with Joseph D'Artes. Mm-hmm. And that dealt with a lot of the issues he's trying to address in his dissertation about truth claims and how do you know what's true and what's not. Mm-hmm. And of course that's something that when you're, when you're channeling aliens, you might want to uh, pay some attention to <laughs> not just what you can believe, what you can call true and what you can't call true, but also how you do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So this 89 session, let me see if I can figure out, why don't I just start reading? Yeah. And like you interrupt yeah. or I'll interrupt when I think there's something worth talking about. Yeah. Okay. L- let me read the question and then I'll let you, and then, uh, and then you can get into the actual channeling part. The question reads, it has to do with the development 
of the magical personality? How do we go about developing the magical personality? And what actually is or what actually is it that we develop when we develop the magical personality? And of what value is it to us to do so? So in in, in dumb English and <laughs> jock English, it is what is the magical personality? What is it that we're developing when we develop it? And why on earth should we, you know, what's the value? What's the big deal? All right. So skipping over the normal preliminaries with Kuo, we'll jump right in. So here's Kuo. The question offered this evening has to do with the magical personality. But before we speak upon that subject, we must speak upon a subject that is fundamental to an understanding of the magical personality. That understanding is the simultaneity of all time, all space, all action. This present moment is eternal. The past, the future, the feeling of being in the river of time are part of an illusion which gives you who seek an enormously powerful opportunity consciously to accelerate the rate of your spiritual growth. Um, so right there, uh, I, I just want to stop and say there is this concept in uh, the raw contact uh, of uh, true simultaneity, um, which is kind of the way that they talk about resolving the free will determinism paradox, right? So do we live in a universe in which our free will determines what happens, right? We can cause changes and those changes matter. And they matter because we invented them creatively and spontaneously in our head or is everything that's going on in our head everything in the universe really just a big machine and it's just dominoes knocking over other dominoes and so anything we do even if we feel like we're doing it we were caused to feel that way that would you know make it happen and everything is kind of preordained mm -hmm. um and I think the way that Ra resolves these things is saying, well, the whole problem here is time. <laughs> the whole problem is your concept of time and how that is creating distance between uh, your exercise of will and the exercise of the creator's will that has kind of, in a way, predetermined everything. That's kind of how I square it. The, the listener might square it a different way, but like the idea is that, once again, the place where you're standing determines what the phenomenon is. There are other places to stand and get a different vantage point on the phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I, that's how I feel about this true simultaneity thing. It's about what your concept of time is in your head determines whether you see your free will as acting upon things and changing them or whether you see yourself as part of a bigger flow Yes. That is manifesting spirit in manifestation. It's interesting to think about the simultaneity of time and just this this paradox of cause and effect, yet everything is happening now and then we're in this time-space illusion. It constantly makes me think of that scene in Matrix Reloaded when Neo is talking with the Oracle. It, and if you're unfamiliar with this scene... Um, uh, Neo figures out that the Oracle's a program. She's not a real person. She's a program. And the Oracle's trying to reveal these revelations to, uh, to Neo. And Neo tells the Oracle about his bad dreams. And the Oracle, I'm going to read the script here because it's just, it's on point. Neo says, I see Trinity and something happens, something bad. She starts to fall and then I wake up. The oracle asks, do you see her die? And Neo says, no. The oracle replies, you have the sight now, Neo. You are looking at the world without time. And Neo says, then why can't I see what happens to her? We can never see past the choices we don't understand. Neo says, are you saying I have to choose whether Trinity lives or dies? And this is the point that, that I love. The oracle says, no, you've already made the choice. Now you have to understand it. But I love that idea because the, one of the whole thing about the Oracle in, in the Matrix is that she's this, she understands human nature. She understands probability. And because she understands all that, she understands the future. Because all of those choices that we make in the moment 
we've already made. That particular scene, whenever, whenever I hear the, the simultaneity of time and the everything happening now, and that's what I think of. I think of Oracle and, uh, and uh, Neo hanging out on the roof and her telling him, you've already made the choice. Now you just have to understand it. Yeah, the, the parallels with our philosophy should be pretty apparent. Um, and that's, that's interesting because um, in another way, it seems to, it seems that the uh, Wachowski brothers or whatever, uh, understand on a deep level uh, uh, why those of Ra called free will uh, the law of confusion. The point is, the point with free will is not that necessarily we change what otherwise would be necessary. The point is that we understand how we fit into it. We understand how that choice that we are expressing of service to self or service to others is material to our metaphysical evolution Hmm. and that that is what we're trying to do. We are not necessarily trying uh, to be the best human citizen of the country we live in consumer worker cat uh, 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 you know all that like all of these roles that we play in society are for a purpose they are not for themselves necessarily they are for a purpose of our spiritual development that is the overarching project mm-hmm. in order to facilitate that project we uh, accept a certain amount of ignorance from the sight that we would otherwise have if we understood how connected we were to everything. And this is so that we can express a something true about ourselves that otherwise, in the wash of all of this knowledge, all of this phenomena, we wouldn't be able to see. Which is, do we want to express the creator through radiation? Or do we want to express it through kind of like a gravitic absorption mm-hmm. of all into self? Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's interesting that she that the oracle places the emphasis on the choice and and notice that it's not a choice that changes anything. It's a choice that provides the understanding of where you fit into mm-hmm. it and therefore who you are. This is something we, uh, that Kuo talked about in that um, in one of our sessions uh, this uh, two weeks ago where um, they, 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 they talk about how when, when you start to develop self-consciousness, like there, it, it creates a priority of seeking the self, of seeking what it is that has just come into view that was so obscured when you were an animal. It was so obscured when you didn't have to worry about the spirit complex. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this feedback loop between the mind and the body, and then at some point you get enough experience that you step outside that feedback loop. And then where are you? And that's what we are trying to deal with in third density. What is this third state, the spirit thing that we are dealing with? Like, what is it? Like, we're trying to find it. And the only way we know how to do it is to live it, to manifest it. And that will reflect back to us those things that we need to understand to move forward. That's mm-hmm. kind of the process that I see us being in, in very, very large, like clumsy script. <laughs> yes. <laughs> clumsy is a good word. Yeah. Clumsy is a good word. It's very clumsy. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and jump back in. Yeah. <clears throat> so remember, this is on uh, New Year's Eve. So Kuo continues. It happens to be the last day of an old year and an old decade among your peoples who count by your calendar. Tomorrow, it will be next year. Shall it feel like a different time? Shall it seem transformed? For the most part, no, because you are the same. You have always been, you are, and you always will be. The choices that you make in this density are predisposed by the biases and polarities that you have picked up in lifetimes long ago and more recent. When biases of love and peace and gentleness and humbleness of heart become your rest and your confidence, then perhaps you may release time and space, allowing it to be a useful and extremely potent offerer of catalyst to those who wish to learn lessons of love. You see, you are at the beginning of self-consciousness. You have almost finished this year in the school of eternity, this illusory time. 
However, the choices that you make are made in time space. And speak not to the outer world and its mundane concerns, but to the heart and the vital feelings of each. Mm. Let's stop there. Uh, that's really interesting, and I never picked up on that before. The choices that you make are not really space-time choices at all, which is I, – I, I'm not sure how literally to take that. <laughs> Maybe it depends on the choice. Yeah, I think right. – think that uh, if it the spiritual choices the spiritual choices you make right so like this is this is kind of um this is interesting because it gets into uh like what i think actually goes on with cause and effect in 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 the way that choices interface with that is that like the more that i get into this philosophy the more i see uh the idea that we cause things and then an effect is made necessary by that action, right? That's what cause and effect means. It's like it makes something necessary, right? And it just seems to me like that only works if you're looking at one band of reality and you can block everything else out so that there's like this train of events that are caused. And then there's this big, messy, uh, uh, obscured area where we don't know what causes things, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just haven't, we haven't pinned down that, that, that sequence of cause-effect that, that causes that effect, that causes that effect, right? Um, if, we, if, we, if we zoom out, then I think what's happening is that what we see as cause and effect, especially when it comes to spiritual things, are really like almost these shapes that come in and out of that band of consciousness. And we see it as this causes that, it causes that. But what's actually going on is that all these things are connected. The cause and effect are actually part of one material. And they're just moving in and out of our awareness to the point where we can either piece them together or not. Mm-hmm. I know this is a really, really, really <laughs> harebrained idea. But it's this idea that like, if we can understand that choices actually exist outside the spiritually relevant choices, the things that we're actually learning and taking with us that yes. we won't forget in the next incarnation, yes. right? If we can remember that the point of all this phenomena, the point of all these like feelings and all this is to reveal ourselves to ourselves, to show us what we are in a new state of self-consciousness that we do not have experience with mm-hmm. unless we're, unless we're wanderers, but you know, we're, we're in the same boat as everybody else sure. right now. Sure. Then we understand that like our participation in what we see as cause and effect is actually one of kind of mediation. We are mediating something deeper arising into view from spirit into manifestation. And that's all part of one thing. And how we participate in it may be a story that we tell ourselves in a different, more constrained way. Okay, well, I did this and that put a smile on his face. Mm -hmm. But honestly, What's moving from spirit and what's moving from your mind is bringing all that situation into existence. It's bringing you to that situation. It's creating the conditions in which you understand something about yourself that you uh, participate in that situation. And then things continue in that situation. And that, that, that energy, that spirit keeps reverberating out. We just stop paying attention to it because our role in it is done. Sure. Um, but I really feel like cause and effect is kind of a illusion. It's one of the primary illusions of this uh, existence that we're in because it makes us feel that our choices matter, that we cause things. What we really are doing, I think, in another way of looking at it. It's not that this way of looking at it is more true than some other way. It's just that another way of looking at it is that we are part of an ocean, and sometimes we are a wave and sometimes we're just the still water, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this constant, there's things moving through us and we sometimes take personal agency uh, to execute on them. And sometimes they happen to us and sometimes they're completely unrelated to us, but it's all part of one wave moving through this medium. And that to me is what spirit is. That to me, getting conscious of how to be, how to cooperate with that wave Hmm. Or whether you try to harness that wave and control it. Yeah. That is the polarized choice that allows us to move forward. That's an interesting way. Does that way. make any sense at all? It's, or are we cut It's this? an interesting <laughs> way of looking at it. It's, it's a, the way I understand it is that there are, 
there are, th- I mean, using your, your way of analogy, you know, it's like there's that energy that is moving through the system and it reflects mm-hmm. itself in the rising and dipping of water, you know, through space, through time. Um, and you can choose to roll with it. You can choose to acknowledge it, maybe even enhance it by the actions that you take from that wave coming your way. Or you can choose to try to push against that wave, you know, but in, in like in any, in any case, it is an ex, it's an expression of who you are at that moment and perhaps where you're headed, you know, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea, certainly interesting thing to stew on. And, and, and the Confederation often talks about the nature of our consciousness as that of water. Because they say water is easily impressed upon, right? It, 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 the moon <laughs> goes to a certain position and the tides change, right? Like that's how our consciousness is, is that we think that we're in control of the psyche that we manage and use to prosecute our lives. But at the end of the day, we are subject to so many signals coming from the vastness of the universe that we can't even contemplate it that's why i think that's why we keep our consciousness our awareness trained on a narrow band of all of those frequencies that are coming to us Mm -hmm. and that allows us to create a coherent life that exposes uh choices principles morals ethics the kinds of situations that allow us to not deal with survival necessarily not deal with um, more mundane matters, but instead to start to have this reflective pattern over incarnation after incarnation of, okay, well, who am I? What is this thing that I'm engaged in? Yeah. You're not like, like, like Quo says, uh, in another session, like you're not given a tutorial when you graduate the third density, you just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And all you have to go on are your second density instincts. And you learn over time, like, okay, I have needs that go beyond survival. I have needs that go beyond my food and my uh, being lonely or whatnot. Like I have like spiritual needs and then you have to fulfill those needs and you have to work to work to understand them. And that is third density. It's, I think. it's pretty interesting. It reminds me of evolution when um, yeah. like biological evolution, when something it's like there's no plan per se. There's no plan necessarily, but when something clicks in an organism and gives it an advantage, that tends to stick, that tends to proliferate throughout the population. And then over a million years, you've got, you know, a whole set of new traits for an organism because they're advantageous. It's just, it's interesting to think that there's a spiritual equivalent. And mind you, every time I say the word spiritual, I don't mean like which God you're, you're choosing to worship or what I mean is anything spiritual is any experience or learning or anything that you take with you when this incarnation is done. So, but it is interesting that we can start from scratch. We can start from monkeys, just kind of uh, taking on that spirit complex Mm -hmm. and we can figure it out on an, an evolutionary using the evolutionary template. It's like, Oh, me helping my neighbor do this, that worked out pretty well. Let me do that again. Or, you know, the, it's interesting that, oh, maybe the concept is a meme, you know, where it is, uh, if a gene, if a gene in an organism is advantageous, that gene proliferates. Well, if a meme, you know, <laughs> the like meme Dawkins. is the same thing. It, uh, yeah, if it's advantageous, it proliferates. So it's just interesting that Have we can figure this out. Have you read Selfish It's been a very long time. It's probably okay, been 10 but, years. But, but you know at the end of that book, Dawkins starts talking about memes. Like, that's that, really one of the first— That might be where I got that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks about ideas having this genetic mutated mm. quality to mm-hmm. them. Um, and that, and that, you know, <laughs> I think, I mean, he's— I don't really like his personality these days, but like I think his ideas back then were really good because he's talking about he's talking about basically genes being the real players in life 
in that we are just instruments for the genes to propagate themselves. Mm. Our behaviors, our biology, our culture even is an adaptation to serve the gene. And so he starts to say, like, what if our culture, our, our, our philosophical world, our, um, all of the things that we engage with mentally are a vehicle for memes? Oh, but the memes hmm. are the real players in that our talking and our thinking are just ways of propagating it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, it just goes to show you that it's a very interest. It's very. It's always very interesting, as the Confederation says over and over and over again, to take a different view. What if we put the gene in the driver's seat? What if we put the spirit in the driver's seat? What if we put the creator? What if we put, you know, a dog? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what if we put a human? Like, looking at it from these different perspectives gives you a different appreciation for the dynamics that are going on. But those dynamics are all the same. Regardless of where you're looking at it, it's just a matter of whether you're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. So the point isn't to say, like, I don't think I don't think Richard Dawkins literally meant genes are the real players and we are just because what would it matter? Like, we're not gonna do anything differently. <laughs> we're still gonna yeah, want food right? and sex and company and all the things that we normally want, whether or not they serve genes yes. needs or not. And we're gonna want all those things whether they serve spirit or not. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the interesting thing is that uh, both genes and spirit <laughs> are served by these human lives that we live. Yeah. And that's just an interesting idea. It's an it's interesting thing to think about that it's, you know, anytime that you can decenter humans in the universe, I think you get some interesting insights because we are, we are very self-centered <laughs> as a species. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is true. This is true. Um, and and, and uh, just one more thing about choice being in time space. It's interesting that, you know, time space is the area where we start talking about ideas being things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Concepts being material in the way that, like, physical objects are material yes. in, our, in our world in space-time. Yes. And... Uh, I just want to point out that it's interesting that at the point where you start having abstract thought in the creature that has uh, evolved from second density to third density, that you have uh, this choice that's made in time space starting to come into view. It has to do with the ability to abstract, I think. It has the ability, it has to do with the ability to think about imperishable concepts that don't rely upon my particular life at any given point or even my survival. But ideas that I would live and die for at the end of the day, when we start getting the ethics, right? We yeah. start getting the real philosophy. Yeah. And it is, it seems to me that what third density is about is about preparing us for a much wider uh, view of experience, a much wider and richer story that we participate in. But first, what we have to do before we can participate in all this metaphysical stuff, we have to know who we are. And so this world is a refinery. Third density is a refinery that helps us um, uh, 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 get clear on that identity that is core to us so that we can use that personality that is not core to us to serve that deeper identity, to serve that spirit. Um, and ultimately, that is a decision. I agree with Kuo. That is something that happens outside of time. It's something that happens outside of the, of the normal decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. It's a much deeper commitment. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that's why it happens in time space. Yeah. Uh, because that's, that is the level at which these commitments, these principles, these abstract notions that transcend our day-to-day lives, that's where they have uh, like a real existence. Yeah. So. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway. Yeah. Agreed. Shall we continue? Yes. Yeah. All right. In this way, we may say to you more simply that the magical personality is an artifact of the one who has been able to focus the heart and the mind upon the infinite one. It is, in a way, possible to think of the higher self as being separate from you. But just as you were yesterday and will be tomorrow in a new year and a new decade, so the I am that is the core of you learns of love, of wisdom, of loving-wise compassion. 
When these lessons have been learned to the extent that they are without significant distortion, you turn and reaching through time, you offer yourself a gift. You offer the biases and decisions and choices that have been made, not up to this point alone in your illusion of time, but all the choices that allowed each of you to graduate into fourth density, perfect the lessons of love, and learn the lessons of light to fifth density when you manifest light and learn the true meaning of wisdom. In sixth density, there is eventually, in mid-density, a point in which there is no longer any polarity. For if all is one polarity, then there is no polarity. It is when the spirit has reached this point, full of unity, wisdom, and compassion, that the sixth density self places within the third density self, in the deep mind, the biases which are to come, the destiny which has been fulfilled, the beauty, the exactitude of service to others. Okay, maybe this is a good point to stop, but let's just rehash what was just said mm -hmm. in case there's any confusion. We are on an evolutionary path. We've come from first density, second density. We're in third density right now, and we're headed to fourth density. Well, two densities past that, sixth density, uh, we will have gotten to an evolutionary state where we will be able to leave polarity behind. We will be able to leave this, this service to self, service to others idea where we can only walk one path and not the other in order for us to make progress. We will leave that behind and we will have a more unified concept of what all of it has been over these millions and millions and millions of years of evolution. At that point, and Ra talks about this too, we give ourselves a gift to our past selves since at this sixth density level, we're largely outside of time as we know it. I don't know what that means. I just know that they say that, that, that time has a different meaning at higher densities. And we basically create a, I think it's kind of like a thought form, right? It's like a, it's like a construct. It is, um, it has a lot of our learning. We go back in time and give it to our third density self. And that's our higher self. It is a resource that we give ourselves to help us go through what sixth density us already knows we're going to go through. Again, True simultaneity mm -hmm. is what is the only way that you can think about this, that actually time is a complete illusion and it's all one thing that we've drawn, we've stretched out, we've dilated this single thought, this single concept into a sequence where we can focus on little things. Remember they say uh, uh, you need a focus of heart and mind on the infinite one in order to access this higher self or this magical personality. Hmm. There's a good, um, I don't know if you've read the Robert Monroe books, but in his final book, The Ultimate Journey, for those of you who don't know, Robert Monroe was one of the first guys who uh, really popularized the notion or the idea of astral travel, astral projection, at least in the Western world. But his last book, The Ultimate Journey, in it he describes this experience where he meets other aspects of himself, other incarnations of himself. And part of his role in this lifetime is to kind of collect all those pieces that are all part of that one amalgam, that one core being of who he is. Um, but I think when I when I read when I read that story, it made me think of that higher self, and then like you've got all these little pieces falling off that go to incarnation. It hap it's all happening now. Going back to our you know old idea of um, there being no time that everything happens now, but it's an interesting story because there is a corollary between this material. Um, there's a corollary to this material, so. It was a, a fun, a fun read. I'd recommend it. Yeah, and uh, it actually sounds a lot like the concept of the soul stream that comes up in Kuo quite a bit. Thus, it's where... funny you say that. I I do not even know what that is, but that visualization is in my head. Um, yeah. The way he describes his experience of meeting the other aspects of himself. Right. The the, the sense is that. Um... 
the you that's in incarnation is only one part of yourself. We already probably believe that, but apparently it's, it's not just that we have, you know, our conscious and subconscious and then like a higher self. And then Ross says a mind, spot, mind, body, spirit totality. That's even above that. Mm-hmm. It's that, that self that's in incarnation that we think of as this entity is really part of a bigger entity that has other pieces that could have been an incarnation, other pieces, other biases that you're not expressing right now that are still you. Hmm. What we think of as us in this world is really just one part of us because there could be other aspects of ourselves in incarnation right now that would manifest a completely different kind of personality, a completely different kind of self. Mm -hmm. In fact, other parts of this soul stream might be an incarnation simultaneous with us right now. That's um, one thing that was brought up in in Ultimate Journeys. He asked if if there was another piece of him that was incarnated at the same time on Earth. And they said, yes, there's one that's a woman. (laughs) Just in case you didn't work out with your... (laughs) We had a backup in place, you know, so... um, yeah. It's... Oh, how does he know he's not the backup? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, uh... no, and and I I think you hit that on the head because because there's this idea in I might start meshing together material that I've read, but there's this idea that pre incarnation you you pick the body that you're going to go into, and you pick the kind of personality that that body is predisposed to, you know. And every, I mean, look at your neighbor versus you. Our personalities differ, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's entirely plausible that um, who you feel you are in this body is very different than what your reincarnation or your pre-incarnational self, your simultaneous incarnation self, feels, you know, elsewhere. Yeah, and I and I think there's probably a lot of different ways that that could happen. Like we talk about uh, planning the body and the personality and the parents and all that. But, like, to what extent is the personality something that we put in place prior to experiences that we have? And to what extent is that per- programming create, like, I'm going to choose a life that has these uh, that has these effects on me so that it creates the personality, right? Like, or is it nature or nurture, right? And I, yeah. it's probably both. But if you see outside of time, you can see how all the events of a life build a person, build yes. a personality. Yes. That then expresses an ineffable part of the self in this particular way. Yeah. Yeah. What makes sense to me is that you do, you pick, you pick what you're predisposed to. And that's yeah. a part of your life lesson. Like, how do I either, how do I leverage that to have these experiences? Or how do I come to terms and accept that? Or how do I change, you know, it's all about the experiences you want to have in a specific, you know, in, in your in your lifetime and because Lord knows your personality really affects in ways that you feel like you, why do I react this way? Like what is going on? Why does this trigger me so much? Mm -hmm. You know, we are certainly predisposed to certain feelings and and actions. And I, I don't know, part of the journey is trying to better understand if you can't understand why you feel the way you do, then at minimum we can try to understand how we can use the way we feel or recognize the way that we feel, yet make decisions around, <laughs> make decisions for the better, quote unquote, yeah. uh, given our feelings. Yeah, and it just, it, it, it just, if you're somebody who's a skeptic about reincarnation, like, take it to heart that you probably have a good instinct. Because when most people talk about reincarnation, they talk as if the personalities in this life are the thing that's going to come back in another life mm. and that has occurred in a past life. Mm. But it's like that Alan Moore um, interview that I talked about a couple episodes ago, maybe it was a while ago, where he's, he's talking about reincarnation. He's like, look, if I'm born in a different body with different parents and a different culture at a different time with a different skin color, right, with like different experiences, that's not – that's not me. That's somebody yes, else. Correct. And it's absolutely true. The question is, is what is it about you that's common in those two incarnations? That's you. Yes. Yes. This person, Jeremy, who has, you know, some harebrained ideas and has accumulated some friends, uh, 
it's just it, it's it, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the true me. And your personality, listener, is a drop in the bucket compared to who you really are. And the purpose of this narrow personality from the point of view of the Confederation, take it or leave it, is that's trying to bring out that deeper part of yourself. Not You can see it clearly when you're in time-space and when you're not in incarnation. The point in incarnation is to see it clearly and have it manifest into something that has stakes, something that has, you know, like it can only happen in a, in a, in a single moment and then it's gone, mm-hmm. right? That's how our lives work. Mm-hmm. And if we can manifest spirit in that, we have grounded the creator in his creation, in, in their creation. Mm-hmm. We have grounded it. And now uh, we have, in a way, in a very small way, reunited the creator with what it created, by manifesting spirit into that. And so our lives are not about getting to this point where we do that. It's demonstrating it over and over and over and over again. We get countless opportunities to manifest spirit, to, to surrender to spirit and let spirit run our lives and show us who we really are. And um, that's, that's it's, a, it's, a, it's a big project and it takes a lot of discipline. Um, and we have resources as this, Quo session is showing us. Yeah, I've just I was nodding my head the entire time you were you were talking. Yeah, I, I was I was distracted by all the keyboards in your background. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one day we got to do a video sometime. I know, I was to just show you guys what that. I'm looking at because I'm just salivating here. <laughs> it's, it's a little gratuitous, but <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, well, should we continue? Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're just talking about hey, look, uh, you know. The, the magical personality is this focus of heart and mind upon the infinite one. You're part of this uh, stream. You're, uh, you, you're, you're you yesterday, you're you tomorrow, and you are on this evolutionary path through fourth density, through fifth density, learning the meaning of light and wisdom. And then Kuo says, in sixth density, There is eventually, in mid-density, a point in which there is no longer any polarity. For if all is one polarity, then there is no polarity. It is when the spirit has reached this point, full of unity, wisdom, and compassion, that the sixth density self places within the third density self, in the deep mind, the biases which are to come, the destiny which has been fulfilled, the beauty, the exactitude of service to others. Therefore, the magical personality, or the higher self, is the last vestige of the self which contains polarity. And as you deal in a world illusion grounded in polarity, this gift can be extremely helpful. Many, many times one is faced with dilemmas and enigmas that cannot be rationally discerned. There is no logical answer. There is only the wisdom of the heart and the compassion of the mind. For this is what the sixth density of unity provides, the realization that compassion is not only of the heart, but of the mind, that wisdom is not only of the mind, but of the heart. I like that first sentence in that paragraph. The magical personality, or the higher self, is the last vestige of the self which contains polarity. Yeah, I noticed that too. And it's like that. I'm not sure I appreciated that before. That's the, and this is the, fu- and how can you help yourself that is, as Quo states, grounded in polarity you deal in a world illusion grounded in polarity then a gift by that last vestige of yourself that is that does contain polarity that's going to be very helpful it's a cool it's a very cool idea it's all of those dilemmas of our lives reconciled at once Mm -hmm. and given to us as a resource um especially this idea that um what it means to manifest this creator, this, this, this compassion, this love, this wisdom is something that draws upon all of our parts. It isn't just developing heart. It isn't just developing mind. It is bringing everything into balance and uh, direct application. And like, let's be clear, like when you're in six density, you're not really testing your polarity that much anymore, right? Mm. When do you need the help? You need the help when you're still trying to make that. We are trying to make and refine that choice of polarity. That's when you need the help. That's when you need 
to have a connection with your deeper self that will certify and provide you with that feeling of rightness that can't be faked. Remember that Carl Jung quote? Like, it, it goes beyond proof at that level. Mm-hmm. You know it. It doesn't need anybody else, least of all yourself, to tell you. You know it. And that level is where you make choices from. So the higher self is provides a resource for making that fundamental choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wonderful idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great job, <laughs> higher self. <laughs> How many times do your people turn from their heart, refusing to ask, refusing to open the door to that helper or comforter, which waits patiently to be asked to aid in decision-making of various kinds? Our message is very simple. We ask each to love the Creator with adoration and worship as one would normally feel for one's Father. For you are truly sons and daughters of the Infinite One, and within yourself, infinite in your own being. The process of accessing the deep mind, and especially the higher self, may be accomplished best, as we have often said, by repetitious, persistent, and daily meditation. Not lasting so long, but lasting as long as it feels as though you are in a holy place with the one infinite creator. Thus, meditation is always the key to to the opening of the shuttle from the subconscious or deep mind to the conscious mind. The higher self does not operate by giving instructions, for that would be an infringement of free will and would cause paradoxes within the universe that are not desired. However, the call must go forward within meditation that you may be visited, strengthened, and renewed by a longer point of view, a vaster field of incarnations and of incarnational decisions. For as each knows, there is no such thing upon your planet which is as it seems. You are energy fields, complexes of energy fields with the energy holding you together, carrying you through life. Um, I think the big thing to, to, to focus on here, from my point of view, is the relationship between the deep mind and this connection to the higher self. It is through our subconscious, through that treating the deep mind in a gentle and caring way where we build a relationship with it, um, that we gain access to this resource. I mean, we always have access, but you know what I mean? Like the ability to like call upon it Mm -hmm. as opposed to just be, have it happen to you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and once again, I can't stress this enough in every single confederation uh, piece of material. It's always about the point of view, the vantage point. How, what we are seeing and recognizing that there's more than what we're seeing. Yes. If we recognize that there's more than what we're seeing, then we have the opportunity to use our imagination, to use our compassion in ways that go outside the material situation we're in and see around the corners and feel into it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the subconscious gives us. The subconscious is this, is, is, is I think the, the, the majority of the mind complex that we have. Like, I don't think the conscious mind encompasses a majority Mm-mm. of our mind. I think our mind is a huge, deep pool, an uh, ocean. And it's also connected to all other minds, too. It's also connected to all of our other incarnations, all of our past decisions, all of our future decisions through the higher self. Yeah. Like, we have a lot to work with. Well, it's an interesting idea that it is... Um... Yes, that is that is our subconscious mind. That is what we are connected to. And it is the function of the brain to filter that down into mm-hmm. some kind of usable experience because we're not supposed to have access to all of that all the time in this incarnation. Therefore, meditation. Therefore, yes. the training of our conscious mind to more and more yield and trust this deeper self so that we can bring it into manifestation, not on terms that necessarily make sense to us all the time, but on terms that we feel. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it is us participating in a deeper concept of self, a deeper concept of the creator, and a deeper concept of what all what a situation we might participate in would even be about, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. It is well to be very kindly towards this physical vehicle, for it is the means by which the computer of the mind may gently enter data from the deeper self, the self unperceived, even when praying or asking. Perhaps one 
perhaps one day one awakens and knows what the proper or appropriate answer to a question may be. Perhaps it all comes, perhaps it comes all of a sudden within meditation. There are many ways to use the higher self as there are entities. There are as many ways to use the higher self as there are entities. Now, how does one make use of the higher self, this sixth density portion of you? The first thing that you must do is give up your physical reality. You are an illusion within an illusion. Mystery surrounds you. Consequently, as one asks for guidance from a, from a deeper self, the higher self within, one opens a door that can be, only be opened by the seeker since the higher self is a far more clear, lucid, and defined product of your thinking. Yet still you will find it most helpful to blend the conscious and rational mind with the deep mind. For they give you feelings and biases that are far more a part of whom, we correct this instrument, that are far more a part of who you are, what your essence is, than you may have by any amount of consideration of these matters within the illusion, within this illusion. Hmm. Well said. What just, I think it's just what we've been saying, honestly. Yeah, what just struck me is how is the appropriateness of this message for seekers, but not for yes. everyone else. Because not everyone is here to experience serving others, being a channel for the love and light of what I mean is some people you got anybody in mind. <laughs> um, well, y you know, I just, I recently uh, watched. Well, when you start reading near death experiences, so many of the common, the common theme there is that if you ask them, what is the purpose of life? A lot of people will say, who've had NDEs, it is to experience. That is it. It is to experience. And some people may be here to experience what it's like to be rich. <laughs> some people may be here to experience what it's like to have power. Like that is that pre-incarnational whatever that they set up is to have certain experiences what I am getting from this message, the, the line, the first thing that you must do is give up your physical reality. You are an illusion within an illusion. Mystery surrounds you. Okay, that's a very, that's a very spiritual and cognitive idea. And that you have to say, oh, you know what, maybe... Um, how do I say this? I'm trying to formulate this in my head, but it's like, if, if you're looking, if you are a seeker and you're looking for spiritual development, a lot of the message I continue to come back to is that you don't do a whole lot. It is, it is by your being. It is by you just being an open channel for the love of the creator is how you serve. And when you focus on being an open channel for the love of the creator, when you focus on meditation and stilling your mind, you're not focusing on earning more money for the sake of earning more money because you want to, you know, you want to go to fashion week in Paris and buy all the clothes. There's just, in my mind, there's this separation between the spiritual seeking and the, you know, and the, and the messages that we're reading versus where a lot of other people, where many people are at in their lives perhaps because that's what they want to experience. It's just simply that is what they want to experience. And trying to share <laughs> trying to share this message with people that are on that track, it's like yeah. it's like talking to a wall. No judgment there, not for better or worse, it's just that's where they're at on their journey and if you're attracted to these kinds of messages, you're you know, you're just on a different path, you're on a different journey. I that just popped into my head of just the appropriateness of the message and what do you do with this? Like, how do you communicate this? Do you communicate it? Or do you just use the tools that you were being given to simply be whatever it is that, you know, you're trying to be? Uh, okay, so the, the reason why I kind of push back a little bit on you is uh, because I have, in my path on my on my walk through this incarnation i have 
uh, lost a lot of confidence that I can look at another person's life and tell them that it's not spiritual. Hmm. Um, because I truly have come to the conclusion that it all serves this uh, 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 evolution towards polarity, towards the polarization, towards service to self or service to others, even if it's your destiny to be a rich guy, even if it is your destiny to be, you know, a power cabal guy, mm -hmm. you know, in, in politics. Um, those are teaching everybody, whether they're aware of it or not. Now, I agree with you that, like, look, <laughs> if you're not interested in developing yourself metaphysically as a, as a deeper, uh, broader consciousness than what uh, CNN thinks you are, yeah, this reading isn't going to do much for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I would say that the principles that are going on here go on in everybody's lives. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I think, at some point has an experience of their higher self. I mean, I think mm -hmm. they often experience this kind of like, you know, that moral, ethical voice within themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it can be experienced in a lot of different ways. And, they, and, it, and it all takes the, the, the circumstances of an individual life and, and, and shows it to a, a person, their own life, and says, what of this do you recognize yourself in? And what if this is alien? Hmm. Sometimes I think it is probably true that you need to have a life that is, you know, what we would consider wicked or evil, right? Or maybe just not very spiritual to show you <laughs> what it's like to not have spirit in your life, mm -hmm. to show you the tragedy of it. Um, I'm, and, but that teaches. Remember, we're only seeing a person at a particular stage of their evolution that will go on for billions of years. Um, Good point. Good point. And I appreciate the the quote unquote pushback uh, because, again, my conversations with you are constantly like, hey, have you thought of this over here? <laughs> you know, and that's entirely helpful. It is much easier to see your project as a in life as spiritual if you understand if you give yourself the knowledge that other people, whether it looks like it or not are also going through a spiritual process, mm. right? Like then then we're all united in a common goal. And it's just about, do I understand what your part is or not? It's not yeah. about, are you against me? Yeah. But again, I think that is the kind of perception that you attain once you've polarized, once you've gotten... And like, I don't always believe it. I don't always act according to that. Sure. Sometimes like, I just... You know, I just told a dude in my band, like, hey, I think you're a really inconsiderate jerk. <laughs> like, I, like I, I have moments of weakness, you know, like, but the idea is that we always, this is the great thing about linear time. We always get another opportunity. Hmm. What matters isn't the choice we made back then. The, what matters is right in this present moment, what choice are we making? Yeah. Um, we yeah. talk a lot about the, Nathan and I talked a lot about this on the present moment episode, but like it's, it is the crucible of this particular moment. Who are you right now? Because this moment is eternal hmm. and it has power if you access it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to uh, also put an emphasis, deep mind. This is why meditation is so useful. I do agree with you that if you're not meditating, you are probably not developing very well access to the deep mind, mm -hmm. access to the higher self. And it is the people who, it is those who want to grab the baton and run the race that will get the most distance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you can choose, but like there are tools, there are options. Yeah. Yeah. And meditation is one of them. All right. Um, I think we're probably going to wrap up in a little bit. Let me just bring this to the point where they start to talk about the magical personality. And then what I think is we'll, we'll, we'll focus more on the magical personality aspect of the higher self in a future episode. Okay. Um, now, as each sits here, Quo says, we shall attempt to give the process by which the higher self may be contacted. This is one way. There are many others. This is a way which we feel is simple and therefore easier to grasp. The first step is the acceptance and the forgiveness of the self within this illusion. It must be clear to each one that one cannot live purely in a world polluted by constant negative thoughts and perceptions, cynicism, and the ugly emotions of fear, terror, and the triumph of those who delight in terrorizing others. 
This is not the personality that you wish to use for that special time during which you are working within consciousness to accelerate the rate of your spiritual growth, to heighten your polarity, and to move, may we say, forward. You do not need to gaze at the higher self as a part of the self unless you wish. However, it is well to know that the higher self and you are timeless and whole and one. That's where I'd like to cut off mm. and, and save the rest for another time. But it, I think this kind of reinforces what we were just talking about, right? You do not need to gaze at this higher self. You don't need to, to pay attention to it if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. It is not a requirement. But the more that you open up to your broader, wider, deeper self, the more resources you find that you have, and the more that this project of spiritual evolution that transcends your day-to-day -day life comes in, not in the focus, but it's like right in the corner of your eye, right? Like it's, it's there and it's orienting you. You are starting to take those details that your mind is flooded with on a daily basis, and you're starting to have yet another thing around which to coalesce. Mm -hmm. And suddenly choices start to gain significance that they didn't have before. And then, then you start feeling like this all matters. I can't tell you how much of my life I lived just thinking none of it mattered, you know? Yeah. Like it just didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went through a, a, a short phase of that as well. Yeah. Just a little nihilism. <laughs> even when I believed in like metaphysics and spirituality and I believed in like, you know, I thought meditation was a good thing. Even when I like followed the law of one, there were there, there, and there are even still times where I like, I act, I think as if it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And like, there is a certain extent to which all these like mundane details don't matter. Like, you know, whether I get, you know, a new MacBook or whether I, you know, uh, uh, invited somebody out to dinner or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that stuff doesn't matter. But if it's all in service of a deeper, more transcendent project, then it's just a little brick in a wall that you're building. Mm -hmm. It's a good way of putting it. And you can see, you can visualize that bigger wall. You can't see how big it is. You can't see how thick it is necessarily. But you can imagine the concept. And I think that's what the spirit complex is about. The spirit complex gives the mind the ability somehow to abstract and to think in more broadly and creatively than what the experience is giving feedback for right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the first step towards opening to our creator selves. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. Good. Uh, you, you are, you're, you're, you're feeling, you're feeling the vibe. You're, uh, <laughs> my sermons are hitting. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to uh, cut it off here, but we will uh, come back uh, on a future episode to finish up this session. It doesn't go on that much longer. Um, and uh, maybe bring in, oh, it looks like there's also some talk about the archangels hmm. that get evoked in ritual. And that will be interesting to talk about yeah. when we talk about the magical personality and the way that we can directly invoke the higher self directly invoke it in our lives mm. so it's not just about opening to this wider self it's about actually trying to embody that self and so that's a little bit of a teaser wonderful all right cool well thank you for the conversation jeremy always thank you and uh listeners in the meantime stay in the love and light <laughs>